0: This is episode number 176 with Gamal Kodna of The Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 now, The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I am the CEO of founder magazine and the host of the founder podcast hope you're all having a fantastic day wherever you are around the world geez things are really uh warming up in uh founder camp we've got a lot going on uh i'm really just excited for 2018 and uh starting to do my goals and start to prep for that um Hope you are too. Depending on the time that you're listening to this, I really hope you're starting to plan for a big 2018, making it one of your best years yet. That's what I'm thinking about. Anyways, let's talk about today's guest, Gamal, and also this fresh, kind of cool segment that we're doing that I'm really excited and pumped about. So, we're going to do a three part series, guys in the trenches entrepreneurs and founders in the founder community. Now, what makes this really cool is you guys are always asking, I want more kind of everyday entrepreneurs, people that I've never heard of. So what we've done is we've chosen three superstars in the founder community. They've enrolled in one of our courses, uh, Start and Scale Your Online Store by Greta Rose Van Riel. It was a course that she taught for us uh, and basically she teaches her framework on how she's built you know, multiple, you know, tons of uh, multiple seven-figure businesses, in particular, how to build uh, physical product-based businesses, you know, using Shopify and selling physical products online. She's a superstar at this. This is something that you guys asked for. And these. you know, we've had so many students, but we just wanted to handpick a couple in the trenches and just really just show everyday entrepreneurs like yourself, like i not saying that Richard Branson isn't an everyday entrepreneur, but. You guys know what I mean. Gamal has a fantastic story. He runs a company called Fresh Heritage. And we're just going to leave it at that. But he has blown up his business. He's uh, 30x it in three months since doing the course. If you want to know more about that, you can go to founder.com forward slash e commerce. But that's it from me, guys. Let's just jump right in. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is,
1: how did you get your job? (laughs) This job as an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah. How did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today?
1: Well, it's very funny you ask that because as we were talking a little bit before, I was in sales, corporate sales for a while, had a pretty nice job, a six-figure salary, made VP in my early 20s, and things were rocking and rolling. Um, But I met a mentor, which is something I tell everyone to get. And he was in um, private equity. He's buying and selling and flipping companies, just like people flip uh, cars or homes. And um, I started working with him after work and was enjoying that a lot more. So I prayed and asked God to, you know, kind of show me a sign. I'm like, hey, God, you know, I really want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, Give me a sign. Just let me know what I need to be doing. And he answered my prayers. And in the next 30 days, God got me fired from my job. And so that was it. Haven't looked back ever since. Left that job and I started being a full time entrepreneur. And I'm glad it turned out that way. And, um, like,
0: how'd you get fired? What exactly happened? Like, you weren't performing, not meeting targets, or had a falling out with your boss, or what?
1: Yeah, I ended up having a falling out with my boss. I was really good at uh, relationship building relationships and sales. And um, I just found out some stuff that my boss was doing and I approached her about it, and she didn't like how forward or I guess direct I was about that and end up letting me go.
0: Yeah, wow. So how long ago was this?
1: Uh, this was in 2014. Okay. So about three years ago.
0: Gotcha. So lost your job. What was your plan B? Like what happened next?
1: So interesting. I my mentor told me, you know, if I was gonna to try to do something to do something really big. And so it just kind of worked out that I had like a 30 day kind of leave and where I was still getting paid, but I didn't really have to come to work. And so in that time I told myself that I was going to try to buy a company just like my mentor did. And so within 45 days, I, um, found a company for sale and negotiated the rates. Um, and then, uh, went out to go find the commitments to buy the company. So it was about a $10 million deal. And I ended up, getting all the commitments from the banks and the high-net-worth individuals to acquire this $10 million company. What was the company?
0: Do you mind sharing?
1: Yeah, it's cool because, um, funny, that story didn't end too well. Um, It took me about nine months to negotiate everything and get all the attorneys and CPAs involved. And then at the end of the journey, um, the company was in the oil and gas space. They were a services provider in Oklahoma. We were supposed to get some documents in on a Thursday. And we didn't, we got it on Friday night. And so the the closing uh, of or wiring of the funds ended up being pushed back over the weekend until Monday morning. And on Saturday, oil hit an all time low. And so the bank who had committed a certain amount of the capital pulled out of the deal. And so that that deal didn't, that deal turned out not to work out and left me on the hook for about 240,000 in debt with a deal transaction expenses.
0: Wow. So what happened next?
1: Like, like, how did you feel, man? Man, I felt like crap for a while, <laughs> to be honest. I don't think I left my house for about a week. But um, the girl I was dating at the time is now my wife just kind of told me to snap out of it. And so that's what I did. I figured some stuff out and reached out to everyone, kind of told them what the situation was, and that I didn't have the money really to pay him wonder if we could work out a payment plan. And funny enough, uh everyone who I owed some money to in that deal figured out a way to um to wipe it clean. And so um a lot of these folks are my friends or people who I knew personally. Like I said earlier in the call, I'm really big on building relationships. And so they just wanted to support me in my dreams. And so they figured out a way to wipe out the debt. And so by January, this happened in about this time in 2014. And by January 2015, all of that stuff was forgiven.
0: Mm, Yeah, well, man, you got lucky, dude. So what happened next?
1: Uh, Well, I've been playing with internet marketing um, part-time, the whole time, doing some Facebook ads, running paid traffic and media buying, doing something called affiliate marketing. And um, I just figured, you know, January, that November wake-up call, seeing that, you know, six-figure debt line every morning when I got up for a week. Um, I was like, you know what, I need to just focus and build some cash and build something up. And so I just stayed in the office, man, and worked like super hard through January. And I had launched a campaign that I allowed to kind of go viral. And by February, that thing was bringing in six figures a month. And this is for
0: what product? And so this was this year, yeah, or or last year?
1: Uh, that, That was 2015.
0: Yep. Okay, and so, what, what was the product? What was the brand? What was the company? What like tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I I was doing this thing called affiliate marketing, which is essentially it's kind of like private label advertising where folks who have um, a lot of brands in the consumer health and beauty space but needed to get people to um, get their product out to so people would hire folks like me to run traffic paid Facebook advertising for their product and now just get a commission just like how you know, Amazon is one of the largest affiliate programs, but this is for a private label product. And so I got a set price for every product I sold, and I just really found a way to launch a viral campaign and on Facebook, and I just took off with that. So every day I was get, you know, getting a couple hundred sales at one point, and that worked out really well for me.
0: Mm, I see. And, and what happened next?
1: That went on for a while, and that's that's been the same company that I've been building now. Um, I took a hiatus. I got in, I got accepted to an accelerator, tech accelerator program down here in Georgia uh, based out of Georgia Tech, one of the top universities in the Southeast. I got into this accelerator called Flashpoint. And um, so I took a pause working on that and um, had saved up a good amount of money. And I went to that program because I wanted to learn some skills. I'm really big on education and um, speeding up my learning curve. And That program has been very successful in training entrepreneurs to go out and see the world, to go after the next big idea. And for example, it's a fairly new program. It's been about six years open since uh, at the time when I attended. And the first few entrepreneurs that went through there went on to build about over a billion dollars worth of value in the companies they created after Flashpoint. So I just wanted to be a part of that environment. And to learn some of the techniques that they were showing. And they kind of um, coined this startup engineering process for you to be able to validate your ideas, to really resonate with consumers, and to scale your companies really fast. So I took a pause and did that. And I got out of that program in um, late 2016. Okay. And
0: like, uh, like what we, so you were doing that program, and, and what were you doing to get by? Are you still doing the affiliate marketing stuff or?
1: Well, a little bit. Fortunately, um, I, made, I made a good enough amount of money where I was, I was able to live off of my savings um, and just really attend that and, and focused on that full time to really get, get the maximum value out of attending a program like that. Mm. And that's where you launched Fresh Heritage? Yeah, right after, right after that program, um, I was able to kind of look at the world and, you know, this is a problem. This is a solution type of mentality and I essentially launched Fresh Heritage because I as a person of color had a beard and was really struggling to find high quality products to groom myself with so I recognized that in the world and then I was already selling health and beauty products for people as an affiliate so I knew how to go out and really grow and scale companies fast so I was like hey why don't I do this for myself in this super niche that I have a problem with I could resonate with my consumers. I know all the problems that they're going through because I live it daily, and this is going to be something of value to these consumers who are just like me. Mm. So, how did you validate that product? Because
0: one of the reasons we're having this conversation was because, and, and I and I talked about it more in the intro, but you know, you did one of our, um, you enrolled in one of our uh, courses, and uh, it was it was by. Greta and it was uh, the start and scale course and I'm curious like in that course we go through validation and all those kinds of things but it seems like you'd already validated your product by the time that you enrolled in the course
1: yeah I started I started doing some of that validation at the top of the year um, and I, I can get into the difference so like the validation techniques that I learned um, while at Flashpoint were really great for just everything in the world like just general world ideas and then so i had it pretty validated when i started with start and scale uh the techniques that greta and you guys shared there were really good at validating specifically for e-comm and there's a slight difference it may not sound like a big difference to you know those of you who are listening to this podcast but it really helped fine-tuning things a lot more believe it or not and so um the like for example I knew I had this problem, and before that, what I did was I went about um, interviewing people uh, with these discovery interviews where I'd ask specific questions to find out if other people had this same issue that I had with the lack of high-quality grooming products for people of color, especially people of color with beards. And some of the techniques that we learned while at Flashpoint that I used throughout this process is just operating in the negative, and I'll explain what that means. So normally when you come to your friends who you normally go to to talk about your idea, which is the wrong person to talk to because they're not your consumer, you normally pitch them on your startup idea, and it's almost like your baby, right? And so they see how passionate you are about that, how many, you know, how many hours you've spent trying to work on something. And so it's really hard for a friend to really tell you the ugly truth about your idea. Mm. And so, one of the techniques, just like you know, if you have a friend with an ugly baby, if they ask you, Hey, how's my baby look? You're not going to say that because you know <laughs> your your friend loved their baby. That would be rude, right? You'd be an asshole. Yeah. And so, one of the techniques is to operate in the negative, in which when you have conversations with people, you let them think that you want them to say the opposite of your true intentions. And so, when I was valued, validating this product, I would have conversations with people. And ask them if this product was a waste of time, and if this product wasn't needed, and if there are, you know, so many other options in the marketplace. And I made it seem like my idea was to do something opposite, and I got a lot of pushback from that. And so people were actually telling me that baby was ugly, and that I needed to create fresh heritage because that was something that they were struggling with.
0: Mm, interesting. So. What happened next? Like talk me through what, like um, so, you, so you'd validated the product, but how did Start and Scale help you on another level of validation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I knew there needed to be a product, but then I didn't, I, I knew no, nothing more than that. And so after Start and Scale or between then and Start and Scale, I'll touch on that too, what I ended up doing was I created a landing page with a product mock-up. And I allowed people to go in there and purchase the product, even though we didn't create it yet. And so we were testing out different pricing points to see what type of conversions we can get. And and then we launched the um and then we launched the product. What starting scale helped us to realize is that the use of um, giveaways uh, to really try to see who people what types of products appeal to people, and then also how to communicate with our consumers. Um, there was some really cool modules up front just about like branding stuff like the Mm -hmm. type of voice uh, really visualizing your customer and in that process I realized that there were customers that were also not like me who were possibly interested in the in this type of product and that was actually um, one of our most profitable campaigns on Facebook as well some of these other groups of folks who weren't necessarily like me and so starting scale helped me realize that just like really um, settling on my customer persona and realizing that the customer was like me, but they're different in other ways. I don't think I would have seen that as fast had I not gone through that program. And like I said, that discovery led to one of my most profitable verticals in some of our campaigns.
0: Mm, Interesting. So like uh, when you, when you enrolled in the course you, you had validated the product, like you were making some money, but so what I'm really curious about is, can you talk us through like how you've, you know, quadruped, like, I think you like, you know, 20x, 30x from when you started, um, what were the key components there for anyone that's listening that is that is looking to, you know, grow a, a physical e-commerce product business, you know, obviously the course helps tremendously, and you know we can mm-hmm. don't need to go. we can go into that as well. But what were the key elements? I think that that would be really helpful for people because you know Greta's a superstar. She's done this multiple times. She's she's really really strong at this, and she de- details it all in the course. But I'm curious around, you know, in in that space because you were, you crushed it, man! Like in three months, you're like 30 x your business.
1: Yeah, like I, I was. You know, I validated some stuff. I was making some sales, but it wasn't anything like what we're doing now. Between between enrollment and the course, like pretty much year to date, we, we've definitely done six figures in revenue. Yeah. Um, and it, it just keeps growing every month. And realistically, one of our problems has been keeping inventory because when I launch some campaigns, you know, we'll double, triple the daily revenue and I'll run out of stock faster and I have to slow things back down so that's one thing that we're working around one of the things that for anyone starting off or anyone listening to this I would definitely invest and learn into paid advertising I think paid advertising is the quickest way to scale and grow your business because there's so many companies that have the coolest stuff that no one knows about Mm. and um there's a you know the slow process of building up your follower, building up your email base, building up your Facebook group. And there's some there's some hacks to be able to do that a little faster. But the biggest hack is just figuring out how to spend a dollar on ads and making more than a dollar back in revenue and uh, growing that profitably. And that's what I figured out early on. And that's what my only focus has been, how to spend a dollar and make more than that back in revenue and in profit so that you know if I had a million bucks, I knew I'd know what to do with it because I know pretty confidently that I could spend that money profitably and grow the business at the same time. So I would definitely, I would definitely leverage some of the things that you guys talk about in the course, like tapping into influencers and then using that content and scaling that content and amplifying that content through the use of paid advertising on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Hmm, Interesting. So when it comes to like, let's say, you're a solopreneur or you've just validated mm-hmm. your product or you just work on your new product, you've validated it. Um, you don't know anything about Facebook ads. Let's say, you know, cause some people find the platform even intimidating. Do you recommend using an agency or doing it yourself?
1: Starting off with limited budget. I definitely, I definitely would recommend you learning it yourself. Um, because I, I have some, I have a lot of friends who reach out to me and ask me for help on stuff. I actually, I've actually taught some folks some stuff, and some of my friends have actually went to agencies, and some of these agencies, like, you can't trust everyone, and unless you're going to a really reputable agent agency, they're going to charge a lot of money, and so if you're going to a guy who, on a startup shoestring budget you can afford, you just have to really make sure that they're not taking you for a run, and so if you're starting off with a small budget, even just learning the basics, you could really do some damage and amplify your growth with a 5 to $10 a day budget. Um, and that's something you can control yourself just to test some things out. Mm, interesting.
0: So, you know, one thing that I always try and do when, uh, when we're doing, you know, interviews is we try and make the content as evergreen as possible. And I'm really mm-hmm. curious, like, so besides PPC, um, what other things have you done to scale your company because like you know whether it's Facebook ads you know today or Facebook ads tomorrow it might be LinkedIn ads in three five years you know like there's always mm-hmm. going to be channels that you can use to to pay to acquire a customer um, but I'm curious you know has there been is it as it purely been Facebook ads what other things have you done to to scale like have you like uh, what what kind of stuff did you do with influencer marketing which Greta would have taught
1: yeah, so, well, first of all, like, um, I was just asked this the other day, you're not going to scale a business if you have a crappy product. So, like, the first thing is to make sure that what you're putting out there, people find valuable. And the best businesses, I believe, solve problems. And so, I did a lot of time figuring that out. And so, when I amplify that content with PPC stuff, or I gift the product to an influencer, and get a a video or a picture in exchange, it's because they genuinely like the product. And mm-hmm. so some of the things that I've done is really try to get a lot of social proof mm-hmm. um, and then using that content to amplify. So really big on reviews, incentivizing folks to use reviews. Like there's some, um, um, after after people buy, we would wait a certain number of days and then push out a request to, in exchange for a gift certificate to our store to leave some reviews. We would reach out to people individually if we noticed people bought more than once, which a lot of our customers are repeat buyers. There's some folks who bought this thing seven times already. And we would ask them to do a picture review or a video testimonial. And then we would then put that as our ad to amplify that on P- via PPC. And then we tapped into a, a couple of influencers, like celebrity barbers who are in the urban space, and people who have a lot of credibility, like a lot of black doctors with beards, And we just created content from those folks who people, who people would look at and hold in a high standard. And that's all we did. We mm-hmm. just got social proof of a whole lot of people enjoying the product and trying to get as much content about that as possible. And then we went to people who had a nice reputation, who are influencers in various spaces and who are credible influencers, and use that content to just get people to try it because we knew once people tried our product, they would love it. But you know, there's just, it's that, it's that first time getting people to try your product. That's a tough part. And so social proof and um, credibility and influencers are really helpful in getting people over that initial hump.
0: Mm. Yeah, know, that's really interesting. I, I agree that um, when you have a new brand that enters the space, you need to have, like you need to just knock over that domino where of do i trust this company or do i trust these people so using social proof you know like law of reciprocity all of these things you know the you know just from from influence the, the book by robert cialdini this stuff is gold absolutely okay. yeah okay interesting so talk to me about what is next because your business is growing very very fast it goes it goes up and down right like in you know um so 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 you're riding the wave what is
1: next yeah um great question by the way so the next kind of chapter um is to bring additional markets to products to market we've been growing so aggressively with just one product and our consumers have been really asking us for additional products so we're in the process of um, bringing some really just cool products that our demographic hadn't seen before um, bringing that to market and making that affordable for for our folks. So that's, that's one thing we're focused on right now. And for uh, 2018, it's really about um, creating really cool and educational content. Uh, that's pretty important to us. Um, I'm not sure how much of the news you see in Australia, but one of the things that our company's culture has a subtle undertone of is this change in the way that society views uh, people of color, more so in a positive light. Um, so in our social media in our in our content we we typically uh, find folks who are really killing it other entrepreneurs professionals doctors lawyers these are typically our customers and so we feel like it's our part to highlight these individuals in some of the content that we're doing mm-hmm. and so next year's push is to just really put out a lot of content that our demographics could consume and it'd be valuable to them and then for also using that content to just Promote in a subtle way. We're not we're not like a political company, but just in a subtle way. Some of the great things that you know underserved ethnic minorities are are doing right now. At, you know, and these people are our customers. So we're launching a series. For for example, we're launching a series called The Man Behind the Beard, and we just filmed two folks, and we are hand selecting a couple of people who are really killing it in their industry. So we've got a doctor, and we have a celebrity trainer. That has just make been making a really cool name for themselves, and we just want to highlight some of the things that that they're doing, some of their givebacks, some of the things that most people don't necessarily know or recognize about them. I and mean, we just want to give them an opportunity to share their story in a in just a fun and exciting way. So that's that's kind of what's next for us, putting out really cool content and launching other products.
0: Mm, yeah, no, that's cool, man. And um, when it comes to SKUs and launching new products. That can get really expensive, especially, you know, you're spending money on PPC, so you're allocating a fair amount of cash flow, I guess, to your PPC. And when it comes to your PPC as well, you're acquiring customers profitably on the front end, correct? At scale. That's correct. That's correct. Yes. Okay. All right. So doing other SKUs and stuff like that, um, it it can get expensive. So so how do you know? I'm curious. What's your rule book around how like minimum order quantities or what's gonna be the process of of testing and and knowing like really nailing
1: them and how many and how fast? so talk to me about that yeah um we are we are adopting a pseudo Kickstarter model for that, and so I picked up this philosophy from starting scale actually about you know starting local, just getting a couple of products even if they're not. At the price per unit that you want, but it allows you to uh, really de risk that skew where you only spend a couple of dollars buying a few units just to see if your consumers would want it. I'm actually taking it a little bit further and just conceptualizing the product and launching that email out to some folks and running some ads to it for a pre sale to test the types of opportunities that we have. And so for this product, one of the products that we're coming out with is a really cool shampoo. And that's exactly what we did. We had an artist drop a, a mock-up and a design that looked pretty cool. We, we knew what ingredients we want to put in it. And we just start running some slow, low-budget traffic to that just to see how our consumers would respond. And just like how we launched, when we put something up on a landing page that was on our Shopify site and saw how many people would buy, we're doing stuff like that now with new product ideas. So that allows us to try to figure out the type of demand. And we could compare that conversion to the product that we have now.
0: So new SKUs, how are you producing, you don't have to go to the to the full depth, but because I think that's a yeah. big thing that um and, and I felt it too. Like, you know, we we're starting to really get into physical products as well, printed magazines and books and all sorts of things. And um Yeah, I saw that yeah like uh that's one thing that I found even still you know with you know an audience and all these things that we have going on. um I found the the whole process around producing a physical product quite intimidating um so tell us like where do you get the item produced talk to us about that um and how how hard, how easy is it
1: yeah, so it actually took it's gonna to take a lot longer than most people think. you kind of underestimate this process, but it's mm-hmm. actually freaking difficult and time consuming if you want to get something quality made. And so, you know that that old saying of you could get something good, fast, or cheap. You can only pick two. And so, we 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 lived that through the past couple of months. And so, our story kind of started to a trip to Africa. Actually, right after I got out of Flashpoint, my brother and I visited North Africa just to learn more about our heritage. And while on that trip, we discovered some of the oils that we uh, included in our first product. So that created a whole lot of difficulties in sourcing, creating the product. We ended up staying at an Airbnb, which is super cool for cultural experiences. Anywhere we travel, we like doing that. And we got some time to just meet some of the community elders um, and learn and meet with some of the farmers and the the pharmacy people. And so we got in contact with them. And when we came back to the States and started this project, we reached out to them and um, wanted to use some of those same oils that they shared with us in our first product. And so we had to find a manufacturer here in the States who has access to them and would be willing to do that to create our first product. So that that ended up taking a little bit of time to make sure that process was down and we had everything correct.
0: Ah, I see. And do you still manufacture? Yeah, you said, yeah, so you're following the start and scale process, manufacture locally, and then as time goes on, you can outsource overseas.
1: Mm-hmm. So right now we're still doing that inside because our products natural and organic and this manufacturer that we use has all those certifications in place yes so for this product that's going to be a little complicated to kick that overseas Um, but for additional like tools and things like that that's a great model but for us um, what we're doing is just trying to negotiate better pricing um, and building a long-term relationship with this particular manufacturer to get some of the same benefits of the outsourcing overseas cost per unit. Yeah,
0: and what about fulfillment? So you guys are fulfilling it all still yourself
1: or using your center? Or Oh my gosh, that has been such a pain. And also one of the one of the things I turned to Start and Scale to try to figure out, um, customer support and fulfillment was a pain in the butt. Um, literally would be taken twice, three times the amount of calls uh, month over month, and so um, the first thing we did was we outsourced customer service to a part-time person who's virtual, mm-hmm. and then on fulfillment, we recently outsourced that two to three months back, or uh, two to three weeks back. We were doing fulfillment out of our out of our home up until then, so that was pretty crazy.
0: Mm. And so you produce a product locally and use a
1: fulfillment center locally as well. Correct, correct. Because for us, customers, customer experience is really important, and so we wanted to kind of, you know, not make those important pillars of our business too far and out of the different time zone. We wanted to make sure everything was still um, pretty responsive while we build out.
0: Mm, yeah, no, that's smart. Um, well, look, dude, we have to work towards wrapping up. I have a few uh, last questions. Um, I'm okay, really, cool. I'm, I'm really curious. Around, I guess, uh, if you were to start again from scratch, what would you do differently? Because um, I know you you went you're doing some affiliate marketing stuff, and now you you know you're building a fresh heritage, and you're building an amazing brand with that, and you're creating this core, all this really like insane content. And I've seen some of it, it's really really well done. Like like, what would you do differently?
1: In my journey, or just fresh heritage.
0: Yeah, if you were to start again from scratch, wanting to build a physical product based business.
1: Okay, Um, there's not much, man. Um, I wish I would have learned about start and scale way back when (laughs) when when we were doing our um, our initial discovery. Because one of the things that really took off for us as a result is we created some content and we're amplifying that. But what really took off is when we tied in influencer stuff. We had an influencer who's has a lot of credibility create a short video nothing fancy just on an iphone 6 and i launched some ads to that and that thing has taken off it's um we've got like 1.6 million views on facebook for one of these videos and so tying tying in uh, influencer marketing a lot sooner in the process and using some of the validation ideas to really find out who our consumers are earlier in the process definitely would have helped
0: Mm. Awesome man. Well, look, dude, you don't have to give us that much props, but I reckon it's a pretty beast course. If I do say so myself, maybe I'm biased.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, trust me. All your content's cool, and this one definitely helps. I mean, the the num the numbers don't lie, right? You saw what I was doing before the course, and you saw what happened, you know, shortly after. And so, you know, there is there is some of my process and like the growth hack and stuff in there. But I think you can't grow, hack, or sell something that nobody wants. And some of your methods of just making a product seem more appealing and tapping into the influencers were really what I was missing from affiliate marketing. That was kind of the missing key to helping us take off. So, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm telling the truth when I say you guys helped me out. And I'm just glad that you made the coursework and the content. We are definitely benefiting from it
0: mm well man, that's amazing dude it's it's really it's really cool and really humbling to hear and see like some like student success and the people in our community and like it was crazy that competition that we run um it's just absolutely insane some of the results people got, but man, look, we have to work towards wrapping up um my final question well, two more questions. Question number one is uh you know what, what is there any parting words or pieces of wisdom that you would like to share with anyone listening? And question number two is where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and also fresh heritage in your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So parting words, um, it's a great question. I would just say for those of you who are listening to this like I once was and you have that cool idea that you're thinking about, definitely just go my just go like my kind of words that i live by as of late is done is better than perfect and um i would just start sooner rather than later for those of you who are thinking about launching a physical product business that are you know a couple of steps down the road with it i would definitely learn and invest in learning ppc facebook and instagram right now cuz it's just hot, and it's a great way to amplify uh, your company and to get your your message and your brand in front of people who want to know about it. And so that window may not always be there, like you said earlier. It may be LinkedIn one time, it may be YouTube or Google. But right now, it's definitely Facebook and Instagram. And I would, you know, invest some amount of money in learning. Uh, there's a lot of free content on YouTube that you could just watch and learn a lot more than you know now. So that's what I'd recommend. Um, you know, as part in words. And uh, if people want to find more about me on social media, I'm just Gamal Codner, G-A-M-A-L-C-O-D-N-E-R. And our company, FreshHeritage.com, is on social media at GetFreshHeritage. And so, yeah, follow our brand, follow me. Love to get to know you guys a lot more. Shoot me a DM, and we'll take it from there.
0: Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Gamal. It's been an absolute pleasure, man, really, to connect with you and just watch You grow your company and congratulations on all of your success. It is well-deserved. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me, dude. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business.